Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast, Shakespeare. I believe that was... That's the last of it. Yeah, we're done with Shakespeare. Holy moly. Um, I was wondering the opinions from people on, you know, Shakespeare is the cliché, you know, ultimate writer ever kind of thing. And I'm wondering, do we think that this will have been like the best in this book? Or are there other poets who are better? I know there probably are. But. Um, Swim says, I'm fishy. He says, when in the Chronicle of Wasted Time, Sonnet 106 is addressed to fair youth without reference to any particular event, the poet surveys historical time in order to compare the youth's beauty to that depicted in art created long ago. Oh, excuse me. Not surprisingly, he argues that no beauty has ever surpassed his friends. Admiring historical figures because they remind him of the youth's character, the poet contends that what earlier artists took for beauty was merely a foreshadowing of the youth's unsurpassed appearance. So all their praises are but prophecies of this our time, all you prefiguring. In the final couplet, the the poet compares historical time with the present and finds that although he has criticised his forerunners for their lack of definitive descriptions of beauty, he too is unable to, to describe adequately the young man's beauty. Oh, never say that I was false of heart. Sonnet 109 is a devotional sonnet written to the speaker's rose, the fair youth. The speaker begins to try by trying to remind the youth and anyone listening that his love for the former has never cooled. Even if the two are separated, he knows that nothing could temper the love he has for this young man. He compares himself through a simile to a traveller who always comes home. Let me not to the marriage of true minds. Sonnet 116, Shakespeare is ruminating on love. He says that love never changes, and if it does, it was not true or real in the first place. He compares love to a star that is about that is always seen and never changing it is real and permanent and it is something on which a person can count the expensive spirit is in a waste of shame the analysis is from lit charts sonnet 129 the waste to waste energy in the pointless embarrassing act that's what it means to have sex but until people have sex their desires will be misleading cruel violent shameful wild, intense, inappropriate, merciless and deceptive. As soon as people are give as soon as people give in to their sexual desires, they hate them. Lust pushes people to irrationally chase after sex, even though as soon as they have it, they hate the impulse that drove them towards sex in the first place, as though they were a fish that swallowed a fisherman's bait, a trap that was specifically set to attract them to make them go crazy. People go mad trying to fulfill their longings and feel just as mad when actually doing so. Such passions are intense and overwhelming, regardless of whether people have already had sex, are in the middle of having sex, or are seeking out sex. Having sex feels great, but people are miserable once it ends. The prospect of sex is great, but once it's over, the pleasure vanishes, as if it were all just a dream. Everyone knows this, but nobody has the good sense to resist the heavenly allure of sex in order to avoid the hellish torments of lust pretty full on um 
you know, it's funny that I read that poem without picking up any of that subtext. Poem 146, Poor Soul, the Centre of Mind's Sinful Earth. It's about the speaker's relationship with the Dark Lady and how it's taken his focus away from his spiritual health. The speaker begins by addressing his poor soul. It has to contend with a great deal, including the speaker's continual focus on the exterior world. He knows it's wrong of him to spend so much time worrying about earthly pleasures, but he can't help it. The speaker tries to place some blame on his soul for allowing him to get so off track. In the second half of the poem, the speaker spends the lines attempting to convince his soul to spend his time focused on the speaker's inward health. If it can, then it will eat death. And once death, once dead, death will be unable to take the speaker's life. Immortality will follow. Note the Dark Lady is a woman described in Shakespeare's Science 127 through 152 and so-called because the poems make it clear that she was... Uh, so that she has black wiry hair and dark dun coloured skin the description of the dark lady distinguishes itself from the fair youth sequence by being overtly sexual among these sonnet 151 has been characterised as bawdy and is used to illustrate the difference between the spiritual love for the fair youth and the sexual love for the dark lady mm, alright um and that's it. Those are the those are the sonnets. That's some Shakespeare. It's a weird set. Those sonnets it really does weave a strange tale. Um. All right. Now we have some Richard Rowlands. Richard Rowlands. Just the one poem by old Richie Rowe. Uh, he was born in fifteen sixty five and died in sixteen thirty. Question mark. And the poem is called Lullaby. Upon my lap my sovereign sits and sucks upon my breast. Meantime his love maintains my life and gives my sense her rest. Sing lullaby, my little boy, sing lullaby, mine only joy. When thou hast taken thy repast, repose my babe on me. So may thy mother and thy nurse thy cradle also be. Sing lullaby, my little boy, sing lullaby, mine only joy. I grieve that duty doth not work all that my wishing would. Because I would not be to thee, but in the best I should. Sing lullaby, my little boy, sing lullaby, mine only joy. Yet as I am, and as I may, I must and will to be thine, though all too little for thyself vouchsafing to be mine. Sing lullaby, my little boy, sing lullaby, mine only joy. And that's it. Just a little lullaby for you tonight. If you're still awake... Thanks for listening and I'll see you tomorrow.